Everybody, welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast. I'm Harrison Wynn. We are presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Guys, if you're local, stop into the DNVR bar. We got tons of Breck brew on tap, including the beer of the month here at the DNVR bar. The Christmas ale, six bucks all month long. Get you into the holiday spirit, and it really packs a punch too. It's like six or seven percent. So Great value for your $6 beer there. Uh, that's here uh, at the bar. If you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out their beer locator online. Just type in your zip code. shows you exactly where to go uh, to get Breck Brew. Got a cool show, fun show coming up for you today. I'm going to go over my biggest takeaways from this Broncos turnaround. Uh, a historic turnaround that could get even more historic if Denver completes this thing and ends up actually going to the playoffs. And then I'll get into a... Nuggets Broncos mailbag as well. Got a lot of good questions from the last couple of weeks that I've been keeping track of that you guys have been sending my way. Uh, so I'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, but let's start with the Broncos. They're seven and six. They're coming off this win over the Chargers 24 to seven. Their sixth win in the last seven games. It's been incredible. It's been an awesome ride. I'll start with my top take away my my top fact about this Broncos turnaround though it's that Russell Wilson is a good enough quarterback to win to win a Super Bowl I don't know probably not but to definitely get to the playoffs and look I've had to eat a lot of crow about the Broncos I feel like a lot of people have I thought they were done I wrote them off I wrote Russell Wilson off but then again I, I think I was right too Um, this past week against the Chargers, Russell Wilson completed 21 of his 33 attempts for 224 yards and two touchdowns with an interception. It was a pretty modest stat line, but if you actually like go through the film and look at the drops and stuff, it could have been a lot better. But as you've seen these last couple weeks, like Russell Wilson, isn't one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but he's good enough. And you're seeing on some plays here and there that special something that Russell Wilson has. It's it's coming out. It's coming out on a play here, a play there. You're like, oh, yeah, that looks like the old Russell Wilson. And I feel like we're seeing that over this stretch really for almost like the first time since Russell Wilson has ever been a Bronco. Now, like Russell Wilson still makes mistakes. He threw three interceptions two weeks ago against Houston. He still makes bad decisions from time to time. But you look at the state of the quarterback in the NFL, and I think you can say that Russell Wilson is good enough to win with right now. Now, like I said, Super Bowl, I don't think he's good enough to win a Super Bowl, but he can definitely get you to the playoffs. There's probably going to be a worse quarterback than Russell Wilson in the playoffs somewhere. Uh, But I think what he showed over this turnaround, and I'll get to the positions that Sean Payton's put him in and some other things, like it's been good enough. I think at at this point we feel comfortable with Russell Wilson at quarterback. 
And another thing to go with that is that Cortland Sutton is a stud, and he's really emerged here over this stretch. And the Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton connection is real, and it's a beautiful thing. That deep ball that Cortland Sutton caught last week against the Chargers, it was an incredible catch. Incredible catch. But it was also an incredible throw. I mean, Russell Wilson put that thing on the money. And um, it got me wondering, like, what's the worst thing that could happen if Russell Wilson targeted Sutton every single play? We talk about this with the Nuggets when offense is really hard to come by. A lot of times we're like, all right, what would be the worst thing that would that would happen if Nicole Jokic just shot the ball every single time down the floor? I'm kind of feeling that with uh, Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton. All right, my number two takeaway from this Broncos turnaround Sean Payton knows what he's doing at head coach. This is another one that I've got to eat crow on because I was not a believer in Sean Payton, especially early on this season. I thought he kind of felt like he was definitely um, the smartest guy in the room, but wasn't. But maybe it turns out he is the smartest guy in the room. He's remaking the culture of the Nuggets or of the Broncos, that's for sure. And I was going to say, I've seen this up close and personal with the Nuggets in my time covering them. It's really hard to remake a culture, and it doesn't happen overnight. The NFL, it's really, really hard to do that, as it is in like every sport. But with the Nuggets, it took years. It took years and years. And with the Broncos, I actually really think you can start to see the seeds of growth when it comes to a new culture and you've seen it over this historic turnaround. I mean, Sean Payton definitely does know what he's doing. And I think you can definitely point to the culture and just kind of the belief uh, that he's been able to instill in his guys. The play design, there have been a couple of these Broncos plays in these last few weeks. And you just look at the play design, and you're like, wow, that was designed by an offensive genius. Like, that was an expert, expert play design. And he's also been able to design an offense with, you know, Russell Wilson, who, again, is not the top of the top of the elite quarterbacks. He's not even like, you know, in the top five of quarterbacks in the league, but he's capable. Sean Payton's been able to design an offense that can score points with what they've got. And I think you got to give credit to him for that. Uh, Finally, my third takeaway, my third fact about this Broncos turnaround Vance Joseph is pushing the right buttons on defense. After the Broncos lost to the Dolphins 70 to 20, I joked with people here at the office, at the DNVR offices, that I would not watch another game until Vance Joseph was fired as defensive coordinator. And it kind of felt like he might get fired after that game, especially after, you know, the Broncos started one and five. But if you, look about, if you look at the Broncos' turnaround, you've got to look at the defense to start. And if you start, even including the week six loss to Kansas City, which was 19 to 8, they only gave up 19 points to Kansas City. Here's how many points the Broncos have allowed to teams since then 17 to Green Bay, 9 to Kansas City, 22 to Buffalo, 20 to Minnesota, 22 to Houston, 7 to the Chargers. And look, you can say they've gotten some luck with the quarterbacks that they've played. 
especially lately. I mean, Cleveland, disaster at quarterback. The Chargers this last week, disaster at quarterback. But you just got to play who's on your schedule at the end of the day. And you've still got Mahomes in there twice. Josh Allen, C.J. Stroud. The 274 yards that C.J. Stroud threw for against the Broncos was his lowest in the last five weeks when that game happened. And look, like I said, you just got to play who's on your schedule. So he's turned the defense around, which I thought many people thought we all probably thought was impossible after the Dolphins put 70 points on the Chargers or or the Bronco or the Dolphins put 70 points on the Broncos way back in week three. I didn't think it could happen. Um, but it's happened. He's also blitzing way more, way more than he did to start the season against the Chargers. The Broncos put Chargers quarterbacks on the ground 15 times compared to 22 total completed passes. So the formula's worked. Uh, it's absolutely worked. And I, I think you got to give the Broncos a lot of credit. I'm taking this from uh, our Broncos reporter, Henry Chisholm, on the DNVR.com. But here's who the Broncos need to root for heading into week 15. He does this right up every week on the DNVR.com. I love it. I read it every week. I put in the newsletter, uh, which you can subscribe to, subscribe to DNVR Daybreak. Just go to the DNVR.com. You can subscribe there. Comes out every day. But here's who the Broncos need to root for heading into week 15. Or here's what needs to happen. First of all, they got to beat the Lions. If the Broncos pull out a win this week in what we think is the toughest game remaining on their schedule, they're going to be in prime position for the postseason. Um, they would probably need to win two out of their last three games to get in or have a good chance at getting in. With a loss, they probably need to win all three of their final games. So this game coming up against the Lions is crucial. That's the first thing that needs to happen. The Broncos need to win that game. Henry has at number two on his list, a Patriots win versus the Chiefs. He's got a Patriots win versus the Chiefs at number two. He says it doesn't significantly impact the Broncos' chances of making the playoffs, but a Patriots win over the Chiefs would open up the AFC West. And that's a crazy notion to think about, that the Broncos actually have a chance to take the AFC West. It's on the table. It's actually on the table, uh, and a path to doing that would start with the Chiefs losing again. Number three on his list is a Cowboys win at the Bills. The thinking there is the Bills are part of a six-way tie right now for an AFC wildcard spot. They're having a disappointing season. We know that. They haven't lived up to their talent, um, but if they lose, that obviously helps the Broncos out a lot when it comes to the wildcard. Number four, he's got a Titans win versus the Texans. Um, the Titans are technically alive in the playoff race, but they need a ton of help, like an undefeated finish. Uh, meanwhile, the Texans are in the thick of it. They've got a head-to-head -head win over the Broncos, which is huge, and that could play a factor down the stretch. Um, so that's what the Broncos also need to hope for, a Titans win versus the Texans. Uh, next, he's got a Bears win at the Browns. The Browns enter week 15 with a one-game lead on that first wildcard spot, but that lead goes away with a loss. So Broncos have a head-to-head -head advantage with that win over Cleveland as well. So a Bears win over the Browns would be huge. And then finally, his number six, a Vikings win at the Bengals.
Cincinnati, they're in good position, but can Jake Browning really win enough games down the stretch to earn a place in the postseason? A Vikings win over the Bengals would be huge as well. So Broncos, big game against the Chargers coming up tomorrow. They play on Saturday, and um, that's what they need to hope for to keep this dream alive and to keep chasing a playoff spot. Seven is seven and six right now. It's crazy that they can make it eight and six this coming Saturday, tomorrow. All right, I'm gonna hit a break real quick on the other side, gonna dive into the mailbag. Got a lot of Broncos questions, Nuggets questions from you guys that I'm gonna answer on the other side. Guys, DraftKings Sportsbook, can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season already? We got to make every second count with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite team for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five bucks on any matchup. So just bet $5 on the Broncos or Lions if you want, if you're a Detroit guy or girl. Bet five bucks on that game. You're going to get $150 instantly in bonus bets if you're a new user at DraftKings Sportsbook and you use code DNVR. So get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now. Use code DNVR. New customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code DNVR. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Please play responsibly in Connecticut. Help is available available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 plus or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. Terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com slash football terms. Also, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, the presenting sponsor of the Denver Sports Podcast. It's the official beer DNVR as well. This month, all month long, all December long, you can get a Breckenridge Brewery Christmas Ale here at the DNVR bar for six bucks. It's the beer of the month. Get it while it's hot. Get you into the holiday spirit. If you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out their beer locator online, breckbrew.com. Just type in your zip code. Shows you exactly where to get Breckenridge Brewery no matter where you are. All right, back here on the Denver Sports Podcast. Let's go to the mailbag. Uh, this one comes from T. Sweezy. If the Broncos make the playoffs, do you think Russell Wilson is on the team next year? And if they do not, is he for sure gone? Sean Payton, not asking him to throw much at all, tells me he does not trust him. So this question was from last week after the Broncos lost to the Texans and before they beat the Chargers. But there has been a lot of talk. There is a lot of talk like, from what I see around the Broncos about does Sean Payton actually like Russell Wilson? I don't know if he does. He's definitely formed an offense and constructed an offense that can win with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And look, Russell Wilson's playing well. He's playing obviously way better than he did earlier this season and than he did last year. 
There was a clip, though, that I saw on Twitter. I think it was after maybe Russell Wilson threw the touchdown to Cortland Sutton against the Chargers. But there was a clip of Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, like joking around on the sideline. Uh, Russell Wilson runs over to him. Sean Payton gives him a little shove. Like, I, I don't know if like he loves Russell Wilson, but I think he's fine with him. I think he's good with him. I, I think he's proven to like the rest of the world and maybe even to himself that he can win with Russell Wilson at quarterback. If there's an upgrade option out there, I bet the Broncos look to it. I, I bet they explore it if there's an upgrade out there and it makes sense. But my read is that like I think I think they're okay with it. I think the Broncos are okay with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And from what they've shown this year with him, I feel like they could roll it into next year and just go from there. Uh, this question comes from Baller75 on Twitter. What were you doing on the original Yokemas? Guys, if you don't know, today is a it's a holy day in Nuggets history. It's December 15th. And on uh, December 15, 2016, Nikola Jokic became the Nuggets starting center. And the Nuggets never looked back. Um, we'll get into that on the Nuggets podcast later today. We'll probably have a whole, sh whole show talking about it. But December 15, 2016 is a, um, is a high holy day in Nuggets history. Um, what was I doing on the original Yokemas? many many years ago well the funny thing is like we were all calling on Nikola Jokic to be the starting center like back back then December 15 2016 Nikola Jokic was in his second season he was coming off the bench funny enough like I, I know on the Denver sports podcast we have listeners who aren't like diehard Nuggets fans if you don't know the history of Jokic. The Nuggets had Nikola Jokic and Yusef Nurkic both on their roster. They had drafted Yusef Nurkic, who's now on the Suns, the starting center on the Suns, and a villain of, of the Nuggets. They had both those guys on the roster. Nurkic was the first-round pick. Jokic was the unheard-of, weird second-round pick. So in the, like, in the NBA, in all sports, you're going to give higher priority to your first-round picks. In really any scenario, and that's what was happening with the Nuggets. Nurkic was starting. They actually tried to start both those guys at the beginning of the season. But Jokic, as humble and as team first and as selfless as he is, actually asked to come off the bench because he could tell the experiment clearly wasn't working out. And so he has to come off the bench uh, at the beginning of his second season. Um and heading into December 15th, it was just clear he was the Nuggets' best player. So it's kind of funny to look back on it now and say, uh, like, yeah, we were all calling for Nikola Jokic to be the starter. And that's crazy to think about that. It was that obvious at the time. Um, so we were all calling for him to be the starter. The Nuggets were coming off a road trip. I think it was like a five-game road trip or something. It was a disaster. I think they might have lost all but one of those games. Um, and then they came home to play the Portland Trailblazers on December 15th. And it was an incredible game. Like the Nuggets offense was unbelievable. They put up a ton of points. Nikola Jokic actually didn't, didn't have the craziest stat line. I don't even think he played 30 minutes in that game. 
but it was just so obvious that he could be a special, special player. We didn't think he'd win back-to-back MVPs. I don't even think we were sold on that. But it was obvious he could be an all-star level guy. It was obvious he could be, you know, an all-NBA type of guy. And it felt like the Nuggets were the last to realize that. And uh, they moved him into the starting lineup. They had the best offense in the league throughout the remainder of that season. They started playing this beautiful brand of basketball. Jokic ball was born. It unlocked guys like Gary Harris and Will Barton. It was a great time. Uh, The Nuggets weren't a serious team then, but that was when the ingredients to the offense that you see now were laid and, you know, were really started. So um, what was I doing on the original Jokic? We were calling for Nikola Jokic to be the starting center. (laughs) That's what we were doing. Uh, Nuggets overtime asks, who's in the circle of trust for the Nuggets right now when it comes to the bench guys? Good question. Who's in the circle of trust when it comes to all of the Nuggets right now? Obviously, the starting five is in the circle of trust. Christian Brown is in my circle of trust, definitely. And I'll say as of now, Reggie Jackson's probably in my circle of trust, too. Reggie Jackson's been the coolest story of this Nugget season so far. You you ask what have been the stories of this Nugget season? Reggie Jackson's top, front and center. If anybody asked you like what's been the coolest part about this Nugget season, it's Reggie Jackson. Mostly because he was so bad last year, and he's been so good this year. Like when Reggie Jackson came over last year, Nuggets got him off the buyout market. They signed him as a free agent. The Clippers said they want nothing to do with Reggie Jackson. They're done with him. Nuggets picked him up for the playoff push and he was not good shot under 40 percent from the field under 30 percent from three only average eight points a game not good efficiency he was turning the ball over a lot uh, but you know as we've learned more about you know what was going on with him coming into that situation we learned it was really tough for him you know to come into a team that's going to the playoffs that has really high expectations And it was tough for him to get totally comfortable in the Nuggets offense and and being on the team then and playing a role. Uh, But he stayed in Denver over the summer. Uh, He learned the offense. He put in a lot of time with Nuggets coaches and guys on this roster. And it's paid off. I mean, Reggie Jackson's been incredible this season. And he's had to start a lot. He's had to fill in for Jamal Murray. He's only played in 12 games, I believe. And... You actually look at Reggie Jackson's numbers as a starter and Jamal Murray's numbers as a starter, and they're not that dissimilar. They're really not. On the season, Reggie Jackson's averaging 13.6 points, 4.6 assists per game, under two turnovers per game, which is pretty big in the starter type of minutes that he's playing. He's also shooting 49% from the floor, which is a career high. He's never shot above 45% in his career. He's also shooting 41% from three, which is the best he's shot since 2021. So it's been a bit of a career resurgence for Reggie Jackson. He's been a threat to score the ball. He's just been putting the ball in the basket, which 
is kind of what the Nuggets needed the most with Jamal Murray out. And um, he, he's been just incredible. So he's probably in my circle of trust right now. Peyton Watson, he's on the way to being in my circle of trust. Julian Strother, I kind of want to put Julian Strother in my circle of trust right now. But I can't just on the principle that he's a rookie. Even though I might have put Christian Brown into my circle of trust this early last season. Uh, but Julian Strother's like awesome. He rarely makes mistakes. He rarely does not make the right play. I mean, he knows when to pass, shoot, drive, and dribble. Uh, he plays like a veteran out there. Um, so, officially, I've got the five starters and Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown in my circle of trust. You asked me that question in a couple months. Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, they could very well be in there. Pey Peyton Watson, if you missed the Nuggets game last night, was awesome. Maybe played his best game of the season. He came off the bench to turn in a season-high 18 points, 7 rebounds, and also a season-high 5 assists. Shot 7 to 10 from the floor. You get the feeling with Peyton Watson that he's finally really, really understanding exactly what the Nuggets need from him every single night. Uh, so it's been really, really cool to watch. I'm going to take another break. Uh, when we come back, I'll get to my remaining mailbag questions uh, for today's show. Guys, if you're looking for a present for maybe your dad, maybe for a significant other, check out Breckenridge Distillery. Uh, we've got a couple weeks until Christmas. Look, you don't want to be that guy who doesn't remember and is panicking about Christmas gifts right up until the final, final buzzer. Check out Breckenridge Distillery. Um, we're having a watch party also tomorrow, Saturday, for Broncos Lions. Breckenridge Distillery giving away two bottles of their bourbon. I assume it's their bourbon. Um, if you haven't drank Breck Distillery bourbon, awesome stuff. I stand by it 100%. Like I said, it's a great holiday gift. Uh, you can go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com. They do home delivery, and their products are available in all 50 states. So even if you're not local, you can still get Breckenridge Distillery. Uh, shop your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of their award-winning Breckenridge spirits. Also, guys, check out Factor Meal Kits. This could also be a great holiday present uh, for a significant other, family member, friend. Look, if you're running around, if you work a lot, if you got a busy life, Factor Meal Kits might be exactly what you need. Um, so if you don't know what Factor Meal Kits are, they're ready-made meals that you put in your microwave, put two minutes on the timer, boom they're done they're ready to go and it's not just your regular run-of-the-mill refrigerated meal uh and that's another thing factory milk it's not frozen you just refrigerate them they're fresh they're ready to go these things are good um great flavor high quality ingredients a step above what you usually get with like ready-made meals um, flavor packed, fresh, never frozen. They're really healthy too. They support a healthy lifestyle. 
and meet your meal preferences. So you can go to uh, their website, factormeals.com, pick out exactly what you want. And when you use the code DNVR50, you're gonna get 50% off your order. Like that's an incredible discount, 50% off your order. You can go to factormeals.com and um, get your entire meal prep set for the whole week or even two weeks. So factormeals.com slash DNVR50, get 50% off your order. Also guys, make sure to check out shadyrays.com. You can use the code DNVR for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by 250,000 people. You can do that at ShadyRays.com where you can browse their entire selection. Tons of different styles, colors, whatever type of sunglass you wear, you can find it at Shady Rays. You can also go in person at Park Meadows Mall. They have a location there. Uh, if you don't love your Shady Rays, that's cool. You can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Again, ShadyRays.com or in person, Park Meadows Mall. Use the code DNVR, get 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. All right, back here on the Denver Sports Podcast. Got some final mailbag questions to go over on this week's show. Uh, this comes from Otenio303 on Twitter. Why have the Nuggets not petitioned the league with a bigger emphasis on Nicole Jokic not getting calls? Well, they have petitioned the league privately. Michael Malone, before last night's game against the Nets, talked about how he has been in contact with the league about Nicole Jokic not getting any calls. And even though they haven't done it publicly, every team kind of does this privately. Every team talks to the league about their superstar not getting calls. But this is a great move from the Nuggets like because this is something that needed to happen. Nikola Jokic, heading into last night's game, was averaging six free throw attempts a game. That was in the 20s league-wide. You know, he's averaging fewer free throw attempts than guys like Paolo Bancaro, Jeremy Grant. And look, in the NBA, there's a hierarchy and a star type of system when it comes to free throws and who gets calls. You can debate if that's how it should be, but that's just how it is. In the NBA, stars get calls. In the NBA, MVPs and finals MVPs are supposed to get calls. Nicole Jokic doesn't get calls like other star players do. He also doesn't foul hunt and grift calls like other star players do. Um, but the Nuggets and, and Michael Malone have been in contact with the league about him getting more calls. And funny enough, last night against the Nets, he goes to the line 12 times in 30 minutes. We were, we were sitting there watching that Nuggets game last night on press row, and we're like, wow. This might be the best whistle Nikola Jokic has ever gotten. And uh, maybe it wasn't a coincidence that the Nuggets have been in contact with the league and he goes to the line 12 times and makes 10 of them in 30 minutes last night. And um, it was also a blowout, but it seemed like one of the better officiated Nuggets games that I can remember. And uh, Nicole Jokic was getting calls last night. And I could even tell 
and this has also been something we've been talking about on the Bronco or on the, on the Nuggets podcast, but it feels like Nikola Jokic isn't in, in his head a little bit with trying to draw foul calls. And last night he definitely tried to draw some. And sure enough, he goes to the line 12 times, makes 10 of them. I believe that's the most free throws he shot this year. Let me just make sure. Oh, he did shoot 12 against Sacramento earlier in December. And then he did shoot 14 against the Clippers. That was back in November. That was an in-season tournament game. That's been the most, so almost a season high in free throw attempts for Nikola Jokic last night. But like I said, every team is in contact with the league about their star getting more calls. Every team thinks their star doesn't get enough calls. Some of them are wrong. Some of them are right in thinking that. The Nuggets are obviously right in that. Uh, but Michael Malone, I thought that was good of him to share uh, on Thursday night that he has been in touch with the league, but it is something that everything does. I still do want Michael Malone to uh, have like a David Fisdale take that for data type of rant post game one of these nights. I thought he might have it the other night after Nicole Jokic got tossed against Chicago for arguing a foul call, but Michael Malone wanted to keep his money. I respect that. Uh, but maybe we'll get one later on this season. I'm sure Jokic would pay the fine. I'm sure it would pay the fine. Uh, this comes from Will Jones on Twitter. How concerned, if at all, are you about Aaron Gordon and his shooting? Uh, concerned. Absolutely concerned. It's been a uh, sneaky storyline to this season. Defenses just aren't guarding Aaron Gordon, and I think it's actually a reason why the Nuggets offense has... I'll call it disappointed so far a little this season. The Nuggets are eighth in offense this year. That's underachieving for them. And you can point to the fact that they haven't had Jamal Murray in the lineup for like half of this season. And that's definitely a big reason why the offense hasn't been executing like it usually does. It's a reason why the offense hasn't been uh, flying on all cylinders. But I still think even without Jamal Murray the Nuggets should be a better offense. And I do think a reason is because teams just aren't guarding Aaron Gordon. I mean, this season, Aaron Gordon is shooting 22.7% from three. He's shooting 23% pretty much from three-point range. And that's even given him a couple threes. That's down from the 35% he shot last year. That's even down from the 34% he shot from the year before. It's even down from the 26% he shot in the 25 games after he was acquired from Orlando at the 2021 trade deadline. So this is the worst Aaron Gordon has ever shot it as a Denver Nugget. You're seeing that creep over to his free throw shooting as well. He's down to 52% from the free throw line, which is by far a career low. He's never shot below 60% in a se uh, season, but he's down at 52% from the free throw line. I feel like he's lost some confidence. Even when Aaron Gordon was missing threes in years past, you'd still see him shoot them. Uh, he's rightfully turning down threes now. And I feel like he's turned them down just because he's lost confidence. So it's definitely a strategy that teams are deploying against the Nuggets, and it's working. 
you know, it's kind of stalling out Denver's offense from time to time. Or actually not just from time to time, but quite often. And so it's something that's definitely got to change. Um, if you think back to the playoffs, Aaron Gordon hit quite a few important threes for the Nuggets. Quite a few where, like, he's open because it was a strategy teams were using against the Nuggets last year in the playoffs. He was open, coming down the floor in transition in the half court. Nikola Jokic found him, and he made the shot. And he hit a lot of big shots for the Nuggets in the playoffs last year. And I don't have the same confidence in him to hit those same shots right now. So it's something he's got to figure out for sure. I don't think this team has this, quite the same ceiling on it when Aaron Gordon's not hitting those shots. And it's just a clear strategy for defenses that go against the Nuggets right now. Um, so it's something that's got to get fixed. But just 22 games into the season, I think there definitely is time for that trend of Aaron Gordon's three-point shooting the point a little bit more back towards uh, what it was last season. Uh, this question comes from T. Lloyd 33. Why does Rocky humiliate himself trying for the three-point shot still? Have you guys, I don't know if you guys have noticed this trend or if you're not at Nuggets games, if you can see this, but um, I can't remember the last time Rocky has hit the backwards three-point shot. And I think it's because there's obviously, like, if you've been paying attention to this stuff, there's a new Rocky full-time this season. I believe it's the original Rocky's son. But I also think there's another Rocky that's been floating in and out of games. Uh, and he seems terrible at the backwards three-point shot. Um, so there's more than just one. The original Rocky is incredible at it. And I think his son w is getting better and better at it. But I think there's a, the, a third one that, uh, is floating in the mix as well. Um, finally, this last question I got from a train 85, who is going to be in the Nuggets playoff rotation? So projecting ahead, who's going to be in the Nuggets playoff rotation come April? I think we've already got a pretty good read on this. It's definitely going to be the five starters. It's definitely going to be Reggie Jackson. It's definitely going to be Christian Brown. And it seems like it's definitely going to be Peyton Watson as well. That's who I'll say for now is for sure in the Nuggets playoff rotation. And remember, in the playoffs, you play less guys than you do in the regular season. Like Christian Brown as the Nuggets, you know, eighth, ninth man in the playoffs last year was only playing sometimes 10 minutes a game, less than that in some playoff games. Some games he played, you know, 20 minutes or 15, 20 minutes his regular regular allotment, but a lot of times he played less. And if I had to project it right now, I think it's the five starters and then Reggie Jackson for sure. I mean, Reggie Jackson is like the Nuggets sixth man. He's locked into a playoff rotation spot right now. And Christian Brown is obviously locked into that playoff rotation spot. Christian Brown, or and then Peyton Watson is the next guy up. 
And I spoke about, you know, Peyton Watson's game last night a little bit a couple minutes ago, but another takeaway from his game last night is that he is really learning how to play the power forward position. And that's what the Nuggets are going to need him to do in the playoffs. Because if you think back to last year's playoffs, they had Jeff Green in that spot. And Jeff Green and Peyton Watson, same height, um, same length, kind of similar athleticism, to be honest. Jeff Green, sneaky athletic. Uh, but obviously Peyton Watson, you know, way better defender, way more of a game changer defensively too. And last night, last night you saw some flashes of him playing power forward and just some of the game-changing defensive plays he can make there, but also some of just the stuff he needs to do on a play-by-play -play basis to play power forward next to Nikola Jokic and even play power forward off the bench if the Nuggets are going like with a smaller ball approach there with Aaron Gordon. He, he was getting on the glass. He had seven rebounds last night. He had three offensive rebounds. He had a beautiful duck-in playing next to Nikola Jokic. He took like a page out of Aaron Gordon's playbook, playing in that dunker spot, playing off of Nikola Jokic, timing his cut exactly right so when the defense goes toward Jokic and double teams him, he's wide open under the basket to dunk the ball from there. He had a beautiful play there. He had five assists last night. Just You can feel the game slowing down for him. And he played big last night, too. He was a presence at the rim, shot blocking. He had a block. He had a steal. Um, he played big last night. And that was a big takeaway I had from just watching him. I was like, this guy looks like a four. He looks like a, four, a power forward right now. And looking ahead to the playoffs, that is going to be the position the Nuggets need him to play. They've got Christian Brown on the wing. Julian Strother. You know, he could play spot minutes in the playoffs, I believe. Uh, but Peyton Watson should be, and I think will be, a key guy for the Nuggets come playoff time. He looks like he's on track to be the eighth man right now. And last night for me was kind of just like a flashbulb moment for him in terms of like, I can see this guy playing power forward just like Jeff Green did. And I could see him being a way upgraded version of what the Nuggets got last year in Jeff Green. And Peyton Watson even made two threes last night. That's a bonus. That's a huge bonus from him in terms of just what you think you're going to get from him on a nightly basis. So if I had to lock in my Nuggets playoff rotation right now, the five starters, of course, Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and then the ninth guy would clearly be Julian Strother to me. And look, your ninth guy in the playoffs, he's not really playing that much. But, I mean, Julian Strother has shown this season so far that he can be trusted. Like, he's low mistake. He rarely turns the ball over. I mean, he had zero turnovers last night. He's He had two against Chicago, two against Atlanta. But before that, he's, he's a guy who rarely turns the ball over. He rarely makes mistakes. You just trust him out there. So that's who I would project to be in my playoff rotation right now. Guys, thanks for the mailbag questions. A lot of great ones this week. 
And um, that's all I got for the Denver Sports Podcast this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Broncos-Lions tomorrow, Saturday. If you don't know, have if you don't have anything to do, uh, stop in to the DNVR bar. We're gonna have a watch party going on. Like I said, we're giving away two bottles of Breckenridge bourbon from Breck Distillery here at the bar. So if you're in attendance, if you come down to the bar, uh, you could you know walk out of here with that. I think we got some other prizes we're giving away as well. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Throw me a quick thumbs up if you can uh, before we get out of here. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode next week. We're all silly like the mayor.